Yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the More Than Words podcast. We got your hosts, Shara and... I am Liz. I'm so excited today. So like, I'm, all, I think it's every, you know, I listen to all of our episodes, right? And I went through like a, a, a spiral of all of our episodes, like back to back to back to back to back. And I say that all the time. I am so excited, but I am. I love this. This is my favorite part of the week. And I just, I love what we do. First of all, y'all, if y'all can't know this, first of all, one, I listen to all the podcasts too, just so y'all can go on record. Don't shame me because I listen. Second of all, Liz has had an exceptional cup of coffee. So if you hear that ringing, that little extra pizzazz, that's that extra shot of coffee at our at her local. And I say our because I love that coffee shop by your house. They um, asked for you. They're like, what's your friend for me? I was like, I know. I, y'all love her. I love her too. Listen, I love them. Plus, they know how to feed me the right pastries. Okay. I, I still be thinking about that. I said, mean, how about some almonds? Some almonds just showed up in my life like that. Um, so listen, we got an um, but we are going to just first and foremost, before we get started, Liz, how are how has everything been? Because last time we talked, we had just so y'all know, and they have a little bit of FOMO, <laughs> Liz and I planned to record last week. And we ended up not recording and having just an amazing conversation. And so, no, you won't get to hear all about it because it was for us. Um, and sometimes that rarely happens because we usually record a lot. But this conversation was like life changer. But I haven't seen her since then. So we haven't even been doing our video chats or our, uh, our uh, audio chats because we've both been busy. So what's been going on? Um, what did I say when I, we were about to go, uh, start recording? I said, I'm like that Instagram reel. Gosh, I'm sorry. I can't remember who, who it is on the, but I'll have to share it on there anyways. I'll put it on our stories where she's like, how are you today? She's like, I'm successful. Okay. Okay. So first of all, first, I wanted to ask that question because one, I missed you. And second of all, I think it just sets the tone for, uh, the auntie moment that I'm going to have. Because okay. First and foremost, I'm going to go straight to the auntie moment because our guest, let me just tell y'all, if you don't have your coffee, tea, water, notepad, pen, you need to go ahead and go get it right now because if you don't wait, just put your um, AirPods on and walk to go grab it so you don't miss out on it because you about to take a lot of notes, okay? This person is fabulous. Second of all, let's talk about this auntie moment. So let me just tell y'all right now, the boom for coaching is up. Like, I mean, it has been very much so a busy, increasingly busy, busy op experience, specifically around coaching, um, business coaching, DNI coaching, personal development coaching. But I wanted to share with y'all something funny that happened in a session that I had. So once again, we're in the session, this person set their intentions and their focus and their outcome. And we go into the coaching session and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, a pretty, pretty light session, right? Pretty light. Um, and so we go into it, we having a great conversation there. We're going through all the things and mid conversation, uh, their child jumps in and says, that's not true, mommy. <laughs> so, so we, what, when I tell you that you could have dropped the pin, <laughs> I first of all I didn't know that there was a child in the room because of course I'm not eye hustling I'm focusing on the work but out of nowhere this young uh probably about maybe I want to say between like okay this is when I'm bad at this I'm a horrible TT because I don't know no ages but I want to say maybe this kid was like six or seven um but anyway 
says, mom, like that, no, that's not true. Like, you know what I mean? Like buses out, there's this awkward pause. And all of a sudden we both started laughing. <laughs> and at the same time, I, I'm not sure what to do at this point, right? Like, I feel like a critical question for the kid, right? Like, so what, why was that important for you to say at this moment? Like, I was going to say, I'm like, did you start coaching the kid too? Like, tell me, tell me, where does this come from? Like, listen, at this moment, the kid is in screen and they're having a dialogue amongst themselves and it's a ton of laughter. But one of the things that came up right after, and we, and we, we kept the, the kid stayed in the, in the discussion and that's what the parent says. Like, what, 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 what did you hear that made you think that wasn't true? And honestly, it was probably one of the best moments in, in my coaching career thus far, because what I got to see is that one of my clients engage in an honest conversation with their child. And I see that with Liz. Liz does that with the boys and I can be around and I get to enjoy that. But it was something very honest about the perspective of this kid who's like, that's not true. That's not how you how it comes across about how you're managing your time or your engagement or whatever that looks like. And it was a very honest conversation. And so we had a lot of fun and jokes at that time. And, and the parent did a lot of asking questions. But by the end of it, I think, I mean, the client ended up in tears and it was because she then realized that she hasn't been honest about the things that has really been pro being prioritized in her life. And that conversation with the child really brought to forward that sometimes we are just in the hamster wheel of life and we forget to, we get to check in with ourselves, but sometimes we just need to check in with others who see us in doing what we're doing and ask them a question to say, you know, I'm trying to show up like this, but I mean, how do you see that? Do you see me in this way? What do you, what some things that, you know, I can improve or, or what would you want to see more if I really want to live this truth that I'm trying to create? And so it was one of the most magical things I think I got to see in a long time um, happen in that moment. But I think we all just need to check in, right? Like we yeah. do a lot of self-checking and a self-awareness, self but it's time now to ask for feedback to the people who are important and critical to your ecosystem of life and to ask the question, are you living the values that you say are important to you and really spend some time with that question? Yeah. I, thank you for sharing that, Shara. And, and I, I love that moment because, you know, I love asking my kids coaching questions because it is like coaching is so powerful, not just because I am a coach, but I became a coach because I was coached and it it changed my life and it changed my relationship with my children. And now my children feel like they have more autonomy in our house. And I, I listened to this other podcast. I know I listened to our podcast and then I listened to another podcast. I listened to, like, listen, multiple we podcasts. Listen to a lot of podcasts. Let's not be honest. It's a I lot know of I do. Well, here. this this podcast is in Spanish, full Spanish, because um, I am practicing my conversational Spanish and also my business Spanish. So one of them is, um, uh, is, is money in Spanish, basically. So I learn about like finance terminology in Spanish, which is very different. Um, but the other one is about disempowering beliefs and things that we've been carrying through. And just yesterday, it was talking about generational curses um, and like just breaking the cycles, um, especially in um, 
and and and, and just kind of warning for everyone this is, might be a trigger to to people so you know you could just fast forward if it is but it was on like verbal abuse especially on your children and how you'd speak to your children and um like you know for example if my kid uh dropped water on the floor you know like my immediate reaction would be to scream at my kid and drop because he dropped the water right but i've learned to break that kind of cycle of behavior and saying like well my first reaction should be to go and clean the water up right and said hey like you dropped the water it's okay like you know help me clean it up as well too right as opposed to just you know yelling at them um, so I, I feel like coaching and also working through behaviors that you carry because of how you were raised or your parents and, and keep in mind, like our parents did the best that they could, right? I'm yeah, not saying that absolutely. it's just like they're but learned behaviors that you carry and you have to choose. Like one of the things that my coach told me was, okay, um, you're carrying these behaviors because your mom did this. But you're not living with your mom anymore. Like you, you've been on your own for a long time. You're choosing to have these behaviors. I was like, oh, okay, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, those coaches who coach coaches, we don't. Get, we need to get them medals and badges. Because let me just say this: I enjoy coaching another coach, but I have to turn it off. So I leave that to the. I leave that if that's your ministry, that's your ministry. But I, the coach for coaches, sometimes I be like, so listen. Y'all know how this is about to go. <laughs> Don't resist this thing here. This is happening, okay? Um, but I do want to also say, just from a gender inclusive standpoint, just be, this story was specifically about, you know, of course, uh, my client who identifies as a woman, but at the same time, I've had these similar conversations with males or yeah. individuals who uh, identify as they. And ideally, at the end of the day, it always comes back, right? Like we will get into self-awareness so deeply that we forget about sometimes the curiosity and the feedback that we need to make sure that we're adaptable so that we are really being that inclusive part of, you know, the conclusive journey that it requires for self-development and for, you know, and, and we're about to get into talk about cultural competence and, you know, inclusive leadership, but all those things matter even on your personal journey. So if that's what you say you are, or those values or your values mean something to you and you're not pressure testing it against feedback from others or people that you value, not saying that that, that is the answer to all, but those opportunities allow you a mirror. Sometimes it tells you I've grown so much and this does, that opinion doesn't hold as strong. Sometimes it tells you, you know what? I haven't listened to that voice enough. And sometimes it tells you I'm right on track. So listen, I'm a, I am so excited Listen, for our guests, I like, I am getting giddy. Liz, I'm passing it to you. Please tell everybody what's coming. And listen, if you don't know it's happening, this is the moment. Like, I feel like we need one of them, our air horns, like, pew, 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 pew. You know what I'm going to say. Don't know. Don't buy one. It's a no. It's not in the budget. And I know okay. you've been looking at the budget. So, no, it's a no. <laughs> right. So, I am going to introduce our guest. So how I met this person, um, her name is Sophia Toe, and we'll have her come on in a little bit. I want to kind of just tell everyone how I met her. So we were at the CDI Symposium, right? We bring a lot of our, we love our CDI um, colleagues because there's just like, it's a, it's a whole community of extremely powerful individuals and change agents and 
like just incredible people doing incredible work. Um, go back a ton of episodes because they're CDI is all over our podcast. So um, thank you to Wanda for that and for the CDI community for, for all of that. So we were at the CDI symposium and Shara and I were not inside the main room because we were doing all the social media hosts. We were um, engaging with people virtually because they had some guests virtually as well, too. So we we really were sitting outside of it and we were witnessing the program through a tiny little computer, right? <laughs> so we were both like when there was just kind of when people were talking and we weren't um, interviewing anybody for social media, we were sitting there just watching. And we heard this voice come on. And I was like, you know, when you do that, like, whoa, like everything just, you know, just calms down. I mean, it chills now. It's just like, there's a calm there. There is power. There is something to say and it's impactful. And I just was mesmerized by what Sophia was talking about at CDI. And what she was talking about was psychological safety, which we haven't really gotten into per se specifically on psychological safety, but I hadn't ever heard it um, kind of being described in, in this way in such a like practical way, I would say. I would it always felt like a it always felt like a, a a theme or a topic that just seemed so far away. Like, what is this? Like, what is what what really is this? And she just broke it down and she made it so easy. And I was like, and then I wanted to meet her. So I'm going through the symposium, like, where are you? Where are you? I mean, a little, a little scary. I can be that sometimes, you know, I can like when I want something, I'm like, I'm going to go and talk to this person, period. <laughs> and then we kind of ran into each other. And um, I said, Sophia, she's like, Liz, I, I want to meet you. I, I want to meet you. And we just like we talked for three minutes. It wasn't very long because we had like guests you know other other guests that are were were coming on to where we were being interviewing and um she's like let's connect let's connect and then she disappeared because everybody wanted to talk to her everybody wanted to get timer and I was like you know what I'm gonna set some time up with her anyways and since then I've I've kept in touch with her via LinkedIn um I follow her on LinkedIn I mean just I've learned so much through through her post and just through her. And then we connected a few weeks ago and it was so powerful. I'm like, you want to be on our podcast? And I don't even think I told Shara at this time. I think I, I was like, I think I told you afterwards. I'm like, hey, uh, Sophia's going to be on our podcast. She's like, yes. <laughs> so I want to invite Sophia on. Sophia, turn on your camera and unmute your mic. Sophia. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> We are so excited to have you. Liz Liz gave half the energy that she gave me when she said, Sophia's going to be on our podcast. I mean, it was volume <laughs> at 11. It was like, oh, okay, girl. <laughs> Listen, this has been a moment that we've all been waiting for. We love your conversation at CDI. And I will say that I appreciated having the a voice in the room there were so many amazing voices but you're right Liz is right it stopped us in our tracks like 
and all the busyness, it was like, this is the conversation we've been wanting to hear. Like we just was like this, like in school, but Sophia, welcome to More Than Words Podcast. Thank we you. We are happy to have you. Yes. I'm so yes. excited to be here because when Liz brought it up because I have become your fan. Uh, I will Saturday morning. So it's my podcast morning because I cook for my family Saturday morning. I'll put in my like air airpod and then I'll cook and I'll burst out laughing and I'm like <laughs> and I'm telling like telling my son I'm listening to their auntie's podcast <laughs> I love this so much and, and, then, because, and then and and so at least was bringing up the suggestion I was like I think I qualified because I'm an auntie yes I finally yes. accepted that I am no longer a sister as in my age, I am an auntie, especially in yes. Southeast Asia. People call you either sister or aunties, right? I'm definitely mm-hmm. being called aunties every day now. And and I'm about inclusive leadership. So I'm like, I belong. First, <laughs> this talk. First, you belong. You yes. absolutely belong. This is for <laughs> this is for you and all of us out there who identify in this way, okay? Second of all, you know everybody's wondering what you was cooking when you was um listening to that podcast because you know it's good when you put the headphones on. When you put your earphones on and you in the zone, that is good food. I know it was good. Uh, I love I I love cook cooking like things that takes a long time to cook, like Ooh. stew, soup, and all that stuff. So I'll be cutting up all the vegetables and use my instant pot and put it in. So every Saturday morning is like my Zen time, listening to podcast cooking. Yeah. I love it. And and another thing is my son doesn't like vegetables. So when you cook stew and chili and all that stuff, you can you hide put a lot them of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And they, it took them many years for them to figure out that I put tuna in their spaghetti sauce. <laughs> they were like, oh, that's that really delicious thing that mom has that we can never taste in, in like restaurant spaghetti. Like it's because I put like anchovies or tuna sometimes. I try to add in that vitamins for them yeah that's a great idea i mean i do try to hide uh vegetables for my little one um and he is not about it he's like a little investigator he's like like (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna keep trying i'm gonna keep trying uh yes first of all y'all making me so hungry and i can't handle it so if we don't go into the show i'm gonna be like all right so let's just cut it off and let's meet up somewhere (laughs) Um, so listen, Sophia, we always start off with our two questions. And as an auntie yes. who is a fate and who loves the show, you already know what's coming. Um, so our first question is, you know, we've sent you to diversity wheel. And so we want to share with our listeners, what are the top dimensions, the top three that is important to you at this moment? At this moment, because of, I have lived a life, I do believe, <laughs> So it's, at this time, it's about external and organizational. If I think back maybe 20, 30 years ago, maybe I'm about the core and the internal, but I no longer, I, I have spent a lot of time, right, breaking out of that core, really knowing about myself. So now I am definitely focusing on things that I have control over, no longer sweating over this internal thing that I cannot control. The external, so I look at what I can do to help and what is within my power, and I don't ever sweat over things that I don't have control over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am right now in my mindset. Yeah. First of all, that was a sermon because that, that was <laughs> like, wait a minute, how are you gonna look at that wheel 
You looked at that wheel and you was like, listen, this right here is what I can't control. This is what I can control. And all, all of these circle areas for me. I ain't ne We never heard that answer I was going to say, I think that's the first time that someone has taken the wheel and said, what are the things that I can control? What are the things that I can't? I've never, because when I look at the wheel and I start, we we do the same thing too. We look, when we introduce our mm -hmm. guests, we obviously have done that same work. I, I get overwhelmed with all the, all the, all the mm -hmm. titles and the words. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't even think about to break it down that way. That's amazing. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I guess if you look at it with that lens, then, then how would you answer the second question? Like, for example, what are some of the stereotypes comes with looking at that the diversity world in this way? Uh, yeah, for sure. Because I, I feel like sometimes a lot of times I confuse people, right? Uh, I'm from Malaysia. I'm Chinese Malaysian. I'm actually, uh, people look at me, they say definitely I'm an extrovert, but I read maybe two to three hours a day. My quiet time, my husband, my poor husband is like, we are going to be married for 30 years this year. All 30 years, I'm reading every single day. And <laughs> and I'm in my quiet, my zone every single day. So I have, I do have that calm, I guess, tenderness or gentleness of this East Asian, uh, my Chinese uh, culture, for my Chinese culture. But, and then I have this Southeast Asian, hot-blooded, passionate, like wanting to fight and change the world kind of yeah. in me too. So, so I... And all my life, I'm like, sense and sensibility, like couldn't figure it out. And then I was in finance and accounting. I was like, okay, numbers, logical. You need to be logical. But And then my 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 passion was like kept fighting with it. And I do think it works out for the best <laughs> in a way. And uh, I really do think that I confuse people in a way uh, because of my Southeast Asian, <laughs> like maybe cultural background. And so, which means that I am not, I am not, shy to speak up uh yeah when i see things not right i do speak up i mm. and sometimes it it kind of confuse people right mm -hmm. i didn't expect her to sp talk, speak back to me <laughs> and say okay this is i don't think this is this is right and, and call out people and i do have to kind of tame myself down um uh, a lot of the time too and because sometimes just being angry and being outspoken is not going to get the word done because you shut down conversations so for me, I am as as I'm getting older, I'm I'm definitely a lot more. I really want to hear the other side if people are holding an opinion that is different from me because I don't want to shut that door uh, mm. on people. I don't want to because I think everyone is born like nice, kind, and inclusive. It's just the fear as we grow up, our lived experience, they made it, they're scared, right? And what do we do when we are scared? What does like wounded animal does, right? They get more aggressive. So I do have that. I sense that fear more than being bothered or angered by it. So I have encountered bullies before and all I like, felt at that moment was like, I felt that fear. I felt their fear. So it was very sad for me to feel that fear. So I was more sad about mm -hmm. being bothered uh, by somebody. So I wasn't, I wasn't fear because I, I turned that into more, I guess, sympathy uh, instead wow, of just being bothered by it. Yeah. yeah, that's so powerful. Like when we start figuring out and, and identifying, giving language to our feelings and saying, 
I'm afraid of Mm -hmm. this and actually saying it out loud Mm -hmm. to someone or yourself or a journal and actually seeing that kind of look back at you and saying, I am afraid. What am I afraid of X, Y, Z? And then at that point, you can then decide, what do I do with this fear? You know, how do I, do I want to sit in it? Do I want to honor my feelings? Do I want to, Mm -hmm. you know, change it? So I love that you, you said, I I know I'm afraid of this. So, but I'm going to convert it into sympathy and that that's worked for you. And I want to say like, I didn't, I didn't know that I knew some of your background, obviously, (laughs) you know, with the, and we'll get into this as well. Like your kind of your, your career journey. I had no idea that you were in finance and accounting until today. I feel I'm so a numbers seen. person. Yes. I feel so seen right now. <laughs> but I also want to say too, is like, you know, you're in your purpose. And this is how, why you were so powerful at CDI when you were speaking, because you're walking in your purpose, Sophia. I am. You, yes. Even though you're a mm-hmm. numbers person, it, it's like, it kind of like just, became one like all every all the identities that you've carried uh, kind of became one into this magical moment and that's why that calm and that power came through which is what you're saying that that's how I I show up in this world is this I do have the calm but I'm also very powerful and energetic and and everything and I I'm this amazing mix of everything right because um you're walking (laughs) in your purpose and I just I just Love it. I just wanted to kind of point that out as well. So oh, thank you. Now I do want to say that Michelle Obama's book, Becoming Her First Book, she had a she had a quote in there that okay, my signature, I guess. I keep quoting from books. I because I love to read. You uh, love to read. In, yeah, in her book, uh Becoming that because this one I started to look at things differently. She said that a, a bully is just a scared person in a scary body. Phew. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, that is so powerful because it so succinctly captured the fear that I have been feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my daughter gave me a really Gen Z uh, bad, you know, like really <laughs> power, power court too. She said that like somebody was doing something wrong to me and something. And, and she said that that person doesn't get to live rent uh, free in your head. I was that's like, whoa, I was like, queen. Yeah. She's like, is, okay, that person yes. doesn't get to live rent free in your head. And I was like, whoa, this is so much better than my forgiveness set me free, blah, 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 all this sappy stuff. Because I was like, whoa, that's a power that's, move. Yeah. That is, I love, I love that. that. I also well. tell people, I said, you know what? Like, know your worth and add tax <laughs> because yeah. there's always that, you know, extra tax for things. So, yeah. Well, Sophia, you know, I know we mentioned like the CDI symposium a lot. Mm-hmm. And in my introduction, we talked about psychological safety. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people are like, well, uh, what is it? Like, I want to know mm-hmm. what yes. what it involves, what it entails, like, what does it mean? Um, so can you tell our listeners a little bit more about psychological mm-hmm. safety and how it impacts individuals and organizations? Yes, yes. So I actually have been training a lot of people over the last seven months since the symposium. Uh, and uh, like small setting, big setting, hundreds of people. And uh, I do understand, I kind of combine the different school of thoughts. So I am a certified the four stages of psychological safety, which is what I train people on uh, at the uh, at the symposium. 
Uh, and basically, uh, but I'm also incorporating the person who made psychological uh, psychological safety famous, uh, Amy, Dr. Amy Edmondson, uh, about this this team interpersonal risk. So in my training and, and combine both school of thoughts, Timoth uh, Dr. Timothy Clark's uh, four stages and then Dr. Amy Emerson's. And then I add in my own stage zero. And I think I, I, I mentioned that at the symposium too, because I know it started out as the interpersonal risk that a team member is taking, whether they feel safe to speak up. Uh, that is the ultimate goal, right? Uh, the four stages cover on whether they feel included, they feel safe to learn, they can detach fear and mistakes, they feel free to contribute, and then they feel safe to challenge and give great new ideas. It's that, but as I kind of think about it more and more and talk to more and more people, I really do think that it also can turn inward too for our own psychological safety, especially for somebody who is maybe the only and one of the very few in a room. How do you find that self uh, belonging within you when you're the only one like you in a room? So I, more and more, I really, now that my training combines all of that, I know it started out as a team thing, but I do think that if you look inside, it's not just the person who is the only feeling not safe. It's also maybe the leader or the overall team perceiving the person who is not like them. So I actually do think that this, this concept is so powerful and it's not new because I've been managing people for many years and we, uh, we are moms and we teach people. We, I was a teaching assistant. We all know that you need to create that safe environment, right? For your kids to be able to learn, to say, I disagree, and then to come up with great ideas. And uh, so it's just like fundamental human concept that I know psychological safety seems like a buzzword and a new thing, but it, it's not a new thing. It has been studied since, officially studied since 1965. But we all know as parents, as mom, as teachers, right? As managers, we all know that when we create that safe container for people to shine, they will shine for us, right? Uh, but when we introduce that fear into your container, nothing is gonna grow and then, you might crack, right? Your container may crack. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, honestly, you hit so many things for around psychological safety. I mean, so many of us have had the only experience, and a lot of times, you know, in hindsight reflection, if if it's not your, if it's not something that people can say, oh, it's, you can visibly see, like I'm a black woman, yeah. and those could be the areas that it happens. But it's been times where it's been you know, my organization, like I'm in a support function and people don't include you because they're in a technical function or they're engineer yeah. or uh -huh. this and being excluded, right? And that part yeah. of just not knowing where is a safe place to feel like you belong yes. and that you mm -hmm. feel included. And then also the part that we often don't talk about is that the risk-taking, and I'm glad you mentioned it, the risk-taking when we talk about well-being. So if I don't feel included and that continues where's the safe place that I could go to talk about the impact this is having on me because at the end of the yes. day it is called psychological right it's 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 all the things that mm. we naturally deal mm -hmm. with that's the noise in our brain that also can impact how we are experiencing the situation and also how it performs. but it's not made up 
it's the conditions mm-hmm. and the environment. And I think yeah. sometimes we don't often talk about yeah. that particular part. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, Dr. Timothy Clark coined it in a really nice way. He said that basically it's about whether your vulnerability is going to be rewarded or punished. Come it's on. so powerful, right? So on, I Dr. feel so Timothy. safe. I, I feel so safe coming in here. I'm like, okay, just throw at me any questions you have. It's because I know that if, if I get vulnerable, you're going to reward me for it because you accept me as a human being, right? Yeah. But if I feel like I'm going to come on here, going to judge me whether I'm qualified or not, and I'm saying the right words or not, I'm not going to feel safe, right? As oh, simple true. as that. True. Yeah, I, I'm having like an aha moment because it's almost like I, I, I always think about psychological safety of how organizations can make a place of belonging, which is true. And it's part of it. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, I hadn't brought in myself and my own vulnerability um, into it. You know, it's like, is this environment safe for me? And is it not? Mm-hmm. What do I do to protect my peace or my values? What boundaries mm-hmm. do I establish to protect those boundaries um, mm-hmm. so that in those situations where I'm going to be an only or I'm going to be in, a, in an uncomfortable situation, how do I maintain psychological safety for myself? Like, wow, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just woof. <laughs> yeah. And one thing is about framing, right? How we frame the position. You can see yourself as the only one where your vulnerability could be punished by people who don't look like you and they are the majority. Okay, or you can tell yourself, hey, I'm here because I earn it, probably more than other people, right? Because I've done sure. more work than other people. And right. then you can say that, hey, I stood out. Guess what? I am actually the one that stood out in the crowd here. So it's all about framing on how you perceive your position. I know, I know it's people will feel like it's a lot of pressure in there because you are the only one and people don't understand you. But at the same time, we owe it to ourselves to not only earn that spot, but make that spot work for you, right? That seat that you yeah. get on the table and really yeah. work hard and shine. And yeah. and because I that that's taking power back to ourselves. Yeah. Because mm. if you think about psychological safety, a lot of layoffs happening, right? Mm. But we own our career. We need to remember that. And companies own our jobs. We own our career. So if you're scared that you're going to be laid off and you don't want to say anything, that it's got, I mean, you are kind of diminishing yourself and making yourself smaller so people don't see you. But it creates this vicious cycle. So why don't you say, okay, I own my career. If things happen, hey, we have LinkedIn. How many connections do you have, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, we have... Yeah, we yeah. have these conversations over all the time, Sophia, mm-hmm. about how environment mm-hmm. are, are and specifically sometimes they're friendships, sometimes they're work environments, but they are toxic, right? They're toxic in the sense that they're if to your point, they're not empowering you and allowing your vulnerability show up for you to be your be your authentic self, then it's doing things to make sure you dim your light further and further to get into whatever yeah. that culture is, right? Or that relationship requires. And so mm-hmm. it's a lot of that happening all around you, even in social media. Like we, we just had a mm-hmm. guest on not too long ago who was talking about al- algorithmic bias and basically saying, hey, listen, they're playing to your likes. But the, the, the algorithm yes. is playing to your likes, not your dislikes, which means it's not trying to help you become a greater or grow in any per se. Yeah. Right? It wants you to be more of the same. 
more of the same mm-hmm. person that you are already expressing yourself to be. And so that to me, when you hit that point about psychological safety, mm-hmm. the other piece that came up with me is about growing, right? You can't grow mm-hmm. in environments that's not fertile and that's not healthy. And that is constantly putting you in positions where you have to show up in, in mm-hmm. so much vulnerability yeah. that others don't have to do their part or their work to be vulnerable yeah. and be accountable. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And I've been thinking about a lot about social media because I left corporate like 18 months ago, like LinkedIn seems to be, okay, I need to be, be on there. I'm supposed to be posting and all that stuff. And I've been thinking about, well, this is a psychologically safe place. And I was like, well, if I don't let anything that, whether I get likes or not like bother me, you know, I am protecting myself, right? I'm rewarding my own vulnerability by posting because from a culture where my mom was like, okay, get, you need to keep a low profile. <laughs> my mom growing up to say, okay, low profile is a, is a good thing. And every time I post, I'm like, uh, okay, mom, sorry. <laughs> Another oh. post. <laughs> and, yeah, I also, uh, and, uh, but, and then I was like, okay, I started to think about, okay, is this a psychologically safe place or not? And I was like, if I don't de- let it bother me, you know, it, it's okay. You know, it's okay. I'm just posting so that people get to know who I am. And it, what I think about myself is actually more important because mm-hmm. I had a, a full, I guess, a friend who has been like 40 years friends with me, who are, high school friend, um, and then we just got connected. And then we were talking a lot about our self-esteem growing up, teenagers and everything. And then and then she said that you always seem so happy. Why do you seem so happy? Because we compare notes. We were like, whoa, we're pretty bad. Like <laughs> our situations. <laughs> we're like, okay, we look at each other. We won't close, but we just from our perception, the other person is doing better than us. But she, but she but she said, but you always you are always so happy. Why why are you so happy? And I thought about it overnight because I stayed at the house. And I said, um, maybe because I know that if I fail, I'll still be loved. And I was, and when I said it, I was like, I felt my mom. It's almost like a you know montage of a movie coming over, and I was like, whoa, that is the key. And then that's when I was a teenager, right? And then I thought, okay, maybe later later on, I'd love to. I learned about self compassion, and I started to not beat myself up every time I miss something, right? Uh, so that is that that was a powerful revelation for me, which is why I keep going around telling people relationships very important <laughs> your family and uh, because I do think that I do think that that serves as a like safety net for us to say, if I fail, I'll still be loved, but if if I fail, will I still love myself? Yes, I permit myself to fail because I will learn from it, right? So I'm not failing, yeah okay. For our listeners, go just go back real quick, quote it, snip it, um, <laughs> put it on your reels. Um, take take that because that's such a, it's like the permission to fail. You will not grow unless you fail. And I also love I'm going to kind of skip ahead here um, because it just one of the things that you said earlier was not using your work as your identity. And yes. um and in your in your YouTube video on your one of your five lessons I learned from my career YouTube video, you actually mentioned in there about the question of to kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't thought about 
what you brought up in that YouTube, and we'll post the link on our, of, of that YouTube as well on there. It's saying we are encouraging children to identify with the workplace. And that just struck a chord with me so much because I just recently had to separate myself from identifying in work. Now, I am very career driven. It it is it is a part of me. I love work and I enjoy it. But when it's my full identity and I have nothing else, and I remember sitting there telling Shara, we were at our coffee shop in Houston. I was sitting outside and I was crying. And I was like, I'm really boring. Like, I don't have anything. I just, I just, I could just do work. That's my hobby. That's it. That's all I do. And she kept pushing me and pushing me and saying like, find other things that are bringing you joy. And it, it took a lot of work to, to do that, but I hadn't gone back and saying actually that that's been something that even going back to my parents, you know, now mm-hmm. um, my my parents immigrated into the U.S. So I only saw them work and work mm-hmm. a lot. I only saw my dad for half of a day on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Otherwise, he was gone before the sun was up and he was he, he came back mm-hmm. before uh, he came back after we were in bed and my mom ran businesses and her, our spending time together was going to another job and all my homework was done. I, like I can write and read in a car because I got so used to, um, you know, having to do all my homework mm-hmm. in the car because, and that was our quality time. And even mm-hmm. now some of our biggest conversations is in the car because that's who mm-hmm. we, we're used to. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just, I just, I love that that question and you know what do you want to do I mean like kind of challenging that question what what should we be asking um and I and I said kids but even people Mm -hmm. who are in transitions or um you know what should we be asking ourselves especially those that carry those survivor behavior behaviors either because they're come from they've immigrated or they're Mm -hmm. first generation you know how can we encourage the thriving versus surviving? Mm. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, so that one, uh, I've been thinking about it for at least five years now, because when my kids become teenagers, they started to challenge me what I have been teaching them, right? Because they started to think about college, they started to, and they kept challenging me. Why, why, why is this job a good job? Why is this? And not that I, I am like a, I am the anti-tiger mom. I, I want my kid, one of my goals when raising my kids, I want to give them freedom to choose. Uh, that was the promise I made myself. And uh, and But even though I kept telling them, hey, choose what you love, something meaningful, be a good person, not enough because the society, everything, right? So social media is telling them otherwise, right? Maybe you need to be famous, it, but is does is your sense of worth tied to being famous, or maybe you need to be becoming a doctor's lawyers or anything? But not really necessarily saying that. Uh, if you're a doctor, are you a better person? That is the question to be asked, right? If you're not a doctor or you're, I don't know, another profession, does it mean that you're any less of a person? But my kids keep holding that mirror up to me and say. You kept telling us being kind is number one, doesn't matter what you do. 
why do we have to say that what we need to do with it right now? And I really got to thinking. And then when I read Adam Grant's comment on is wrong to tie this work identity to our self-identity, I was like, whoa, he put it so succinctly <laughs> for something that I have been learning a lot and also doing a lot of self-inspection too, because I felt that my kids were holding me to my words, telling them being kind is number one, right? Being a good person is number one. But why I why do we have to say, okay, if we're, we're like a doctor or a lawyer, it's a, not that I'm telling them to do it, but they're just challenging that conventional thinking out there, almost tying this, okay, your education. I know I'm, I have all this acronym behind my name, but this <laughs> is because I like to learn. Uh, but really tying our uh, the uh, the sense of worth to our work identity and activity, but not our character, right? Is it more important to be a good person or is it more important to be what the society say is a successful person? In what way? Make a lot of money, but work 80 hours a day, no time for family. Which one is a better person, right? That is the question that we have to push the society to ask. Yes, we still, of course, I have to say, I when when I step away, yes, I already prepared it for years, uh, right? Thinking about the day, this is the day that I am ready to step away, but I did pay the deal, but at the same time, my kids forced me to, my Gen Z's forced me to really challenge what I have been telling them all these years, that you need to be a kind person first, and it doesn't matter what you do, right? Uh, because you you can be a, I don't know, very I don't want to name them, but <laughs> very successful uh, um, business mogul. But if you're not a kind person, you you're worth a lot less for in your know, yeah. eyes of your mom. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. In our home, it's we have our mm -hmm. family uh, our family mission statement, and the first one is be kind period like and we always ask the question when they come home what what kindness did you yeah. show today because it's something like we need more of a kindness culture um in organizations mm -hmm. in um individually and i also love that your children are challenging you and that you <laughs> that you know that they're challenging you and holding you accountable like that mm -hmm. just shows your your power of coaching that you just naturally carry because they're like i know i'm going back to your psychological safety i know mm -hmm. i'm safe here that i can push yeah. back and that even mm -hmm. though you know kind of like what i mentioned earlier you know you may have been raised a certain way but now you're choosing mm -hmm. to to raise your kids in this way to where there is open dialogue and you can have mm -hmm. that with your children and they can push back and they can say, actually, you may have done this for yourself and it worked for you. It's not mm -hmm. going to work for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? Because I, I know a lot of immigrant parents. I am an immigrant parent too. We work so hard, right? We got uh, we got old, but the world has changed. It the my son was telling me a few years ago how many income stream I need to build <laughs> to become a billionaire. A billionaire, I was like six for as a billionaire. So I was like, the world has changed. It used to be we have one job, right? We have this insurance, we have this protection, safe. We're still trying to survive technically in a way, but now there are so many crazy things and 
my kids have investment fund. Okay, just so they know on their own. Uh, because they're they're figuring out that they don't want to get tied to like one thing. They will have a job, right? Definitely, they have a main job, and they have all this income stream that they are talking about. Just they are so resourceful. I am so impressed. I'm it. like, okay, I'm still like this company, like go, company woman <laughs> going to work every day, kind of, you know. But I think it makes a difference, right? Like to talk through, like to just hear how the, how many different behaviors that this generation has taken on naturally, yes. right? Uh-huh. The the awareness, the curiosity, the risk-taking, right? The, yeah. the challenge and the kind of status quo and then the adaptability. I think we don't always give um, the generations or, or the generations that's coming a lot of credit for their adaptability because they are, just like all of us, right? There's things that's significant during your generation that you just have to kind of adjust to and decide, is it going to be your your story yeah. to keep you from, you know, realizing what you're going to do, keep mm-hmm. you down versus empowering you. And so I love to hear that conversation, but <laughs> it brings a good, it comes to a good point to say, okay, if if these if these youngsters are coming in, and I felt like an auntie when I said that, um, it's okay, auntie. <laughs> uh, and it was like, oh, that youngster. These that youngsters. Ooh, These youngsters. That, was, that wasn't even in my in my age group of uh, of usage. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. I will say, you know, that we're if they just choose to go into the workforce, right? Leaders have yeah. to be prepared, right? Leaders yes. have to be yes. prepared for a more mm-hmm. engaging experience that requires a level of empathy, compassion, and all these things yes. that we was talking about to be prepared for uh, generations that's ready to ask questions versus just get in line. And I think yes, that goes to mm-hmm. the question about inclusive leadership. And I saw um, a quote, um, I mean, a percentage from Corn Ferry that said 5% of the worldwide leaders um, has the inclusive skill set to be an inclusive leader. I'm like, 5%? Like anytime you can use one hand to yeah. describe something, I oh. feel like let's be ashamed of ourselves. And so that article really it really got to me. And so I, I know this is a passionate topic for you around yes. inclusive leadership and you do a lot of work in that space, but could you talk a little bit about what that means being an inclusive leader and, and based on where, yes. what you've heard from these individuals that you train in, what are some things that our listeners should be thinking about right now? Yes. Uh, so uh, the reason I got certified as a psychological safety trainer is because I do think that is contributing to this inclusive leadership skill, which Inclusive leadership skills should be a core element. It's not DEI, okay? If you want to be a good and effective leader, you need to be inclusive. Even though your team is not uh, diverse yet, you still need to be inclusive, right? So theoretically, if you have your your group is not diverse at all, okay? But if you're not inclusive, you still won't have a good team. It's a core element. Uh, so I, I know it has been tied like DEI and everything. It's a fundamental leadership skill that we can no longer overlook. Because guess what? I was very smart Gen Z are pushing back because uh, your logic doesn't work here. <laughs> and I am a logical person. I, I can. <laughs> uh, so I think it's a core skill where you feel people feel included. Again, feel included, feel safe to speak up, feel safe to challenge and contribute. And then... They are demanding you to care for them, demanding you. Yeah. And, uh, but here's the thing again, for me, my side is saying, okay, 
all the managers who are struggling, trying to build inclusion, they are scared themselves too, right? Because they grow up in this, uh, talking about this turning point of every time when you like go on your leadership journey, you start leading yourself, leading a person or two, and then leading a few people and then a team and then the organization. It, things are moving so fast for a lot of people that they never got the chance to actually feel safe to say, if I let go of control and delegate, what will happen? Because here's the challenge of trying to persuade somebody to practice delegation or give autonomy. You can't prove that what they are not, what they are missing, right? When they finally let go, because they will never let go. Because guess what? They don't have the learner safety and contributor safety to say that if I made a mistake, it will be fine. So I do have, I do see that point of why some people got rewarded as an individual a contributor felt really hard to kind of convert into an empowering manager is because they don't know what's going to happen if things fall through the crack. And so they just have to draw a box. You can only operate here because it's safe. But here's the thing, you never get innovation and creativity because Absolutely. you don't let people out of the box. Because you're and you're you yourself as a leader are surviving, and you're yes. you're still functioning as a contributor, whereas mm-hmm. you're not. You know, I I always tell people when I when I get into a job, I'm gonna work myself out of a job, because I want to make sure that I'm not I'm not I want to I want to make sure I pass this on to someone, and so I'm gonna share as much as mm-hmm. I can with people because what that does to me if I didn't do that and I controlled everything so tightly um it's so much pressure it's just gonna burst right pressure that's what happens when you know you have so much pressure it's gonna burst and also it stops me from growing in my environment Uh as as a leader as an employee as an SME whatever it may be yeah me holding on so tightly will prevent me from growing and then that's gonna then trickle down to the innovation and creativity and you know you just kind of get stuck in this one lane forever and ever. Yeah. And also, if you if you, you have to micromanage people and then you they always have to do what you tell them to do, you always have to double check their work. How do you have time to grow that strategic skill, to spend that time thinking about the bigger things that will get you promoted? You're basically yeah, yeah tying yourself down, right? Yeah. Uh, into like a position that you're yes. a people manager, where people are not respecting you because they don't <laughs> they don't yeah. feel that you care for them. And then you're right. stuck because guess what? You cannot demonstrate the fact that you can actually manage more people or be an organization leader. Right. What, I, I yeah. think this is oh, oh go ahead, Liz. No, I think the only thing that like comes up to me, because I've I had a couple, I have a couple of clients that are leaders and they they have, you know, uh, delegate issues with delegating. Um, and one of the things that on some of them that I've seen it's a fear of losing their job. And so they're thinking, yeah. if I become the SME, I'm going to become indispensable. So what do you say to people who are kind of, they they have their mindset set already in that sense? Then they're they're not growing then, right? So, if, so SME typically is like an individual contributor role in a way, right? A lot of the time, subject matter expert, they can go deep, but they don't go wide. 
But if you're not sharing, they're not teaching, they're not learning. We all know that when you teach, you learn more, right? When you teach someone, you actually learn more. If you feel like you want to hold everything to your chest, you can be easily replaceable by AI, I have to say that. But <laughs> because I actually do think that one way for us to defend against all this automation and everything is for us to be a more relationship-based and empathetic leader. Because yeah. you can, yeah. So you know that robot, the Sophia, the, the and right, the is is called Sophia too. Ah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, so I'm like, okay, Sophia, not I'm not an AI <laughs> uh, manager. Uh, but think about that. Your job can be easily replaced by absolutely by AI if all you do is just making sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Guess what? Because it can be design algorithm and everything, right? Yeah. Uh, the 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 ambiguous human part is AI. Mm-hmm. What cannot do right now, right? Uh, yeah. They can they can mimic. Yeah. They can do it right now. So a way for us to defend ourselves against what is going to be coming, uh, is actually becoming somebody who is more relationship based, like more willing to give into this ambiguity of dealing with humans. Uh, because yeah. that's the only only way that you can. You can protect your job. <laughs> yes. It's interesting because the executives that I coach, you know, there's a clear group of individuals who are, you know, who have been very, been very vulnerable to say, listen, that the workforce changed upon them, not with them recognizing that it was changing, right? Like it just happens to them. One minute things mm-hmm. were going the way they had learned it worked, and one day it did not, right? Like it started, I mean, and, and mm-hmm. they say it that way because they sit so high up, they didn't see the, the trickle fast enough. But, and that's because many of them and those individuals are so data-driven, right? They're so data-driven mm-hmm. about the data has proven that this will happen. And so let's lean on the data. And that, and that mm-hmm. has given them these blind spots in how they navigate, you know, interpersonal re, uh, mm-hmm. relationships in the workplace or seeing how valuable your um, HR or your learning and development or your people services mm-hmm. is like investing in that. And there's two people, two outcomes of that, that particular group, which is some of them are holding so hard on to keeping the reins. Right. And, and they're like, mm-hmm. no, we're bringing everybody back to the office or, you know, we're going to do it the way we've always done it kind of thing and hunker down and mm-hmm. more, um, you know, let's have a tailgate and eat together and all that. And and there's another group is saying, I'm recognizing that I'm not the most knowledgeable in the area mm-hmm. of how I, what our workforce needs to do the things that I know our company can do. I need mm-hmm. to start asking some questions and making that pivot. And and that particular group, I will say, their growth story as a person yeah. has mm-hmm. become so amazing and enlightening. And it goes back to the things that you just said, which was you know, really doing that self-awareness, that work to say, I need to be more of an empathetic and inclusive leader. And I need to do things. I need to ask more questions and listen more mm-hmm. than I have ever been able to just get in line, get in tow, do it this way and acclimate. But I know we're getting close to time. And mm-hmm. and I wanted to, Sophie, I wanted to mm-hmm. ask this question. And I, and I think that most people could really appreciate this in the moment right now, as we talk about Mm-hmm. leadership but it seems that you know we are in instances where we're uncomfortable and comfortable 
like we're wearing balances of confidence mm-hmm. and not confident. Um, and then this whole conversation about failure and potential failure or failing fast. I mean, as much as we say it out loud, no one likes to not be successful, period. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, if if you had any advice for anyone who's considering, you know, this thriving mindset, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is something that you would say to them? And 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 what would be some advice or some things that you really hold dear to yourself that, that's been successful for you? Yeah. Uh, I think successful is defined by ourselves. So, so, so for, yeah. So successful for me is actually, yeah. I don't have to. I can um, afford things that not extravagant, and at the same time, I'm happy. I'm doing things that I feel that is really leveraging my gift and also making a change in the world too, positive change. So I do think that successful is really defined by ourselves, but not not by the society. Uh, and then, uh, so advice, three things. First thing, uh, growth mindset. So Dan Pink said something really good uh, three weeks ago where he said that fixed mindsets people will see every encounter as a test of their worthiness. Growth mindset people will see the same encounters as an opportunity to grow. I was like, whoa, so powerful. So I've been using it in my training. Uh, and then that's growth mindset. Abundance mindset. So are we all fighting to, for that little portion of the pie here? That's the question, right? Or can we make the pie bigger? Can we stretch the pie and make it bigger? Because a lot of the time we are thinking that, okay, maybe they only have one spot for this one woman. Guess what? Another person coming in kind of like me, okay, are we competing for the same spot? Why don't we just lift each other up, right? So that mindset is so important. It's not just on the minority side. It's also for the entire, if you're in the leadership program together, right, you're growing, okay? One person get promoted, the other person doesn't get promoted. It's okay because you own your career. There are all this, the ocean is big with many fish to hunt. You don't have to keep fighting in that little pool there. They may not even be at the right pool for you. So that abundance mindset, I do think that maybe it's a privilege because, right, maybe it's a privilege thing that uh, we may think that we don't have as many opportunities, which could be true. But at the same time, we got to train ourselves and give that privilege back to ourselves and say that I have that abundance mindset, right? I'm not competing with anyone. I'm just trying to get to the excellence to make the pie bigger. And I do think that that's important. And I'm losing my train of thought on the third one. Okay, I remember now. You talk about intergenerational, <laughs> intergenerational trauma. Uh, so a few weeks ago, we were doing, I was doing that campaign with PAJ Alumni Foundation where we're doing the chain, kind of like the chain post about uh, Unsung Hero. And I wrote about my grandma. My grandma went through World War II and then she she's a, such a strong woman and it really got me thinking and but i it really got me thinking about the courage that she helped grew in me and i was like wait a minute here what if it's not intergenerational trauma what if it's intergenerational gifts what if her trauma that she suffered hiding in an orchard during world war 2 that story and then seeing how strong she has become over her life, that was a gift to me because 
I, I saw her survive that it becomes something that made me thrive today. So what if it's an intergenerational gift? What if the abuse or whatever that we suffer before and we now tell ourselves, I am not going to do that to our, our, my children. I know that I'm bigger than that. What if that became a gift? It's really about framing and turn things around and say, what if that trauma that we have survived turned into growth and turned into gift for us? It's all about how we think about it, right? So, so it's three the, things. It's the mm. rose and concrete, right? It, it, it's the, the imagery around being yeah. the rose and concrete. Absolutely. Yeah. Sophia, thank you so much for this conversation. I, do, I honestly don't want it to end. I could ask you like three to seven more questions, quite frankly. <laughs> but I, I, I know every show we try to close with as you know, as a, as a listener, okay. we do a, a reflection and I wanted to start with, I wanted to start this, um, this part because what you just said is, is probably one of the things I've been journaling the most about, which is really taking a step back and really looking at the things that I needed that I thought was, um, fueling me when I was younger, right? All the things that were not, mm ideal or traumatic things that has happened to me that became my fuel and the growth that coaching and you know growing and having more experiences and having more autonomy mm. has allowed me to to really look at how mm. how to grow without that right and how to you know create a space where I'm thriving and it's not um dependent on experiences for that it's dependent on me and my what I want for myself and I will say that this was the this conversation really validated where I am in that conversation oh, nice. with my yeah. self development because I think oftentimes we are we're constantly chasing something and I yes. have chosen specifically in the last 18 months or so to not necessarily chase but just to be authentic in the things that I need for myself uh -huh. and this was a validation of kind of what I've been asking to see, right? That and in this in this case, I got to see you and hear you. And just <laughs> it just was a it was a round, it was a it was a moment oh. that I needed. And now I feel like when I go back and journal today, I'm going to close that chapter out because I think what I was doing was looking for the trauma. And that is not necessarily the growth mindset. That's that fixed mindset to say it has to be this way, yes. right? It's not mm -hmm. the rose and the concrete, right? I need to go build that garden. So thank you for that. Wow, Sharon. No, thank you for that. That's yeah. gosh, that vulnerability. You're making me uh, tear up over here. <laughs> oh, I'm already tear up. Yeah, like over here, like it's just the whole. I don't know how else we can end. Uh, gosh, Shara, thank you for sharing that. That yeah. is, yeah, that is beautiful. I'm proud of yes. you. I really, really and, am. And we're so rewarding. We're rewarding you with the yeah. yeah. <laughs> So Sophia, would you like to add something um, in the reflection as well? Yes, I do want to say um, I'm like a court machine, okay? When you get older, you become like a greeting card and a court machine <laughs> because everything they say can, can be... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, so one quote that I read was uh, uh, enough is an, a decision, not an amount. I know a lot of people kept saying, when I make enough, I'm going to retire. And guess what? They keep getting miserable. So enough is a decision, not, not. And then enough, okay, if you flip it forward, enough is fun, F-U-N. When you started to get that enough, 
you flip it forward, you're starting to have fun. Because I do feel like one of my like saving grace in my life is I do see a lot of levity in things. That when I made a mistake and it's just me, like my silly mistake and everything, I do think that start to find some levity in your life, even though I have my par my my parents, my mom, my grandma, I growing up, I watched them going through a lot of difficulties, a lot. But they always come out smiling because they have to do it for the children and they tell jokes and everything, right? And I was like, whoa, that is such a powerful superpower that we need to grow for ourselves. See yourself as in a comedy or something, right? And believing that you're going to grow from it. Yeah, so I do think that that's, that's important. Don't forget to to play and don't take yourself too seriously, really. Yeah. Oh, well, Sophia, thank you so much. Mm. This was, I, I always think that, mm. you know, when we have our amazing guests, it's like we always, we don't plan it this way, but it's definitely like, we have conversations that we all needed in that time, um, in that mm -hmm. space. And as you saw with Shara, like that was so, so powerful because I've seen this journey, you know, mm -hmm. for, for a while now with her. So yeah, thank you so much for being an auntie, being on our, yes, our podcast I'm an auntie. <laughs> and sharing so much of your wisdom. I think for me, one of my biggest takeaways is redefining what success means to you. And think about, um, you know, how you're defining that and also bring that power back to you. Bring your yes. choice. Like you ultimately mm -hmm. have a choice of what you, yes. how you want to move forward. Um, so, and and also find your community, find your people. Yes, you like this. <laughs> yes, we will be your community, y'all. Like, you know, like, share, comment, go follow us, you know, all that stuff. We will be your community. But yes, like, it's so important to have a community that's going to keep you accountable. It's going to give you the feedback. It's yes. going to level mm -hmm. you up. It's mm -hmm. going to sometimes challenge some of the things, you know, like saying, hey, yeah. that's not probably a good idea. But also it's going to celebrate your wins, too, and be like, mm -hmm. yes, I want you mm -hmm. to do the greatest race. The, you yes. know, like all these things. So, Sophia, thank you so much for, <laughs> for be, being on wow. our podcast. And for y'all listening, listen to this a couple of times. Find us on YouTube. We're on yeah. Spotify. We're on we're on Amazon. We're on Apple yeah. Podcasts. Yeah. Go to morethanwordspodcast.com and subscribe yeah. so you can know all the new uh, episodes. All right, y'all. Yes. Well, thank you. Bye. 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 Yeah.